What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama. It's a big week for the University of Houston Athletics because it is finally, finally the week that the university makes the jump and becomes a Big 12 conference program. Of course, they've been waiting for decades to finally join the Power Five. And this Saturday, less than, we need to have a countdown, but July 1st, when the clock strikes midnight, Houston will officially be a part of the club. We'll talk about what Kevin Sampson had to say about the Big 12 Conference and in particular about Commissioner Brett Yormark and, of course, when it comes to the game in Mexico that they're going to be uh, playing against Kansas in the future. We'll talk. I'll put a little bit of a bow on Jarvis Walker and Marcus Sasser as they were both first-round selections a week ago. And, of course, we'll wrap it up by talking about the University of Houston's string of commitments for potentially this season, but, of course, for the 2024 season. All coming up here on Pod Slam Jam. Yeah, high standards, high goals, and we know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguardable, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We could care less what other people think. So, as always, join me, Dayon Dunlap. First and foremost, Dayon, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Countdown to Saturday, man. It's a long time coming. How about yourself? I'm doing great. First, I'd like to give a shout-out to everybody that's watching us live on YouTube. And, of course, we hit a big milestone yesterday on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. We're live here on Tuesday for anyone that might be listening to the audio-only version or if you're checking us out on YouTube after our live stream, we officially hit 1K subscribers. We can't say thank you enough to everybody. If you are a subscriber, heck, even if you're new to the channel, feel free to hit the subscribe and download and continue to support us. It's been a big milestone that we set out when we launched the Pod Slam and Jam YouTube channel back in September of 2022. And just before Houston goes into Big 12, we finally achieved that milestone. So it was a big uh, hoorah for us being able to achieve that. And, of course, follow us on our other platforms, whether it be on Instagram or on TikTok, where it's all lowercase letter H coups, or on Twitter at PodSlamajama. If you are joining us here on the live stream, feel free to talk with us on the comment section. We'd like to hear from you guys or even add us on Twitter at PodSlamajama to have that conversation with you guys. But, of course, let's get right into it. It's Big Jack 512 he says congrats guys we appreciate it thank you for being a support on the channel but damn let's get into it let's put let's start with marcus Esser and and jarvis walker let's just put a bow on that of course both of them were drafted a week ago last thursday jarvis walker went number eight overall he will be an indiana pacer and marcus Esser went number 25 overall and he will be a detroit piston Kelvin Sampson talked about both. I'll put the clip here in in a minute, but anything that stood out to you about what Kelvin had to say during his availability earlier today, this morning? It, it made me think that he has influence on, on some coach. I don't want to say influence relationships. I think it makes me think he has relationships with coaches because to hear him, what he said, Monty Williams, and I actually saw the clip of Monty Williams said about Marcus kind of being a rock. It, it really stood out to me. And Marcus kind of really is a poster child for Houston, under-recruited, uh, under-recruited coming into Houston as far as the outlets go. He was under-recruited, um, got better every single year at Houston, then developed into a first-round draft pick. 
Jairus is pretty much what's to come. More one and done players. I know Coach Sampson is going to build the program around it, but I think with more notoriety, more success, um, we'll see more one and dones coming through Houston as well. Most definitely. I'll talk a little bit more about it on the other side of this break. Here's what Kelvin Sampson had to say about both Sasser and Walker. Well, there's a couple of teams. I, I, I shouldn't mention the team's names. That's not fair to them, but uh, the teams that inquired the most about Marcus um, had playmakers. Um, and I felt that would be a good spot for him. Um, you know, with kids like uh, Cunningham, uh, Ivy, uh, the way they're set up, uh, Troy Weaver, uh, who I've known for a long time, the uh, general manager, and Monty Williams, uh, the coach. It's just a great spot for Marcus. I mean, couldn't ask for a better place. He's got a playmaker. He's got young guys that are growing together. Uh, Detroit's an awesome basketball city. Uh, they're starving for a winner. Um, you know, Marcus proved that you can go to college and play four years and be a first-round draft choice. Um, and, and I'm just just really happy for him. The credibility the credibility and respect that uh, Monty uh, has. Um, he, Monty, Monty will appreciate Marcus. Mar- Marcus shows up every day. You know, he's not a two out of two out of five kid or a three out of seven kid. Marcus is uh, Marcus is every day. Um, uh, Jarris getting with a veteran coach that's that has such a great track record for development and Rick Carlisle um, is is another great opportunity for him. They've got some good good veteran players and good young players, and uh, Jarris Jarris will fit fit right in there. Um, you know, Jarris's best days are way ahead of. You know, Mar- Marcus is probably set up to, to to help more from day one, just because of his age and the, his experience uh, and maturity. Um, but, but I think the uh, uh, the the opportunity for Jarris is to be as good as he wants to be. You know, Jarris Jarris can be a star. You know, and that's. Um, if he'll, if he'll continue to put into work and he's with a great organization and a great, um, uh, not just sports state but, or basketball state, but a tremendous basketball city in Indianapolis. So I want to go back to a comment you said down before the clip and you heard kind of Kelvin Sampson allude to it a little bit. And and to paraphrase coach, he said, you know, Sasser is really the example of a college student that can go play four years at the college level and still be a first round draft pick. Now, something else that Sampson t- told us in the morning in the media session was for Sasser, really, it was all about working his way up into being a first round draft pick last season. Whenever he spoke with him, whenever Sasser first told coach the decision he was going to be coming back for the 2022-23 season that was his biggest individual goal was to work his way up to be a first round draft pick we kind of had heard about it over the course of the season I think coach Sampson had had mentioned it where he had guarantees Sasser had guarantees to be taken at the minimum in the second round but he wanted to come back and, and prove show on tape that he was worthy of a first round selection and kudos to him he did that and Specifically, we'll stick with Sasser about what Samson said in a situation with the Pistons. And he said he likes that situation first and foremost because of the head coach and Monty Williams and, and obviously that stuff. But when it comes to the 
makeup of the roster, specifically with the playmakers that the Pistons have. And he mentioned Kate Cunningham. He mentioned Ivy. And that's something that could help the Pistons and something that could help Sasser being able to go in there. And again, he feels that Sasser's more ready to be able to go in and impact the team from day one just because of really his experience that he's had over the course of being a four-year college player. And like O'Sampson said, I think it's a perfect fit. You look at Marcus's tenure at Houston, he primarily played with um, playmakers. I mean, you look at from his time with Dejan to his time with um, Jamal, he's he, he's played with playmakers. And, and this past year, he showed that he has the ability to play on ball and playmake himself. So I think it's a perfect fit. You have two really big guards, both, if I'm not mistaken, both 6'4", a taller both, uh, especially Cade Cunningham, is a really good playmaker, pass first guard that can score. And so I think Marcus will fit well with those two players. And I think he can play alongside them because he can guard some opposing point guards and those two can guard other wing players. So I think it's a good fit. He'd be able to run the floor, stretch the floor, and as well as play on ball and allow both of them to play off ball as well. So I think it's a good fit. But more importantly, I, I think he's a culture setter. I mean, we throw the word around in Houston a lot, but I think what Coach Money Williams is doing in Detroit is reestablishing a culture there, building a culture to what they had in years past when they had the Chauncey Billups, the Rip Hamiltons, Rasheed Wallace's of the world. And so I think it's a good fit. You get an experienced player like Coach Sampson said. He's proven that you can go to college four years and still be a first-round draft pick. And I mean, I don't want to say it's rare, but you really don't see those stories um, that often nowadays. Most definitely. And even look at for – Keeping it at the Houston perspective, uh, Dan, like you said at the top of the show, Sasser was coming in. He was definitely under-ranked when it came to all those high school rankings. And in the state, we've heard Coach Sampson talk about it. He wasn't even top 100 in his class. When it came to high school recruits, high school rankings, came to Houston, and what really – they, they offered him opportunity. You have an opportunity to start if you do A, B, C, and D. And to Sasser's credit, he came in here. He did that. He earned to be a starter as a freshman. And he just continued to progress over his entire career in Houston and battled through adversity. I mean, going back to the 2021-22 season when he had that foot injury and came back and, again, being able to, to put enough tape to become a first-round draft pick, that's really a type of player that Houston can hang its hat on and, and show all their different recruits. Like here, where we can recruit first-round uh, talent and and doesn't necessarily have to come from the traditional sense of, hey, you have to be a five-star recruit and we can uh, do that here. They, they Development, big key word for the program under head coach Kelvin Sampson and his staff, and that's the perfect poster child for that for that really message and then kind of transitioning over to Jairus Walker, something that Sampson mentioned today again this morning was that for him, really the floor for for Walker was to be a first-round draft pick. It, coming out of high school, he had the talent, just the potential overall, his size, really the, the body that he had. He was going to be a first-round pick regardless of where he went. For him at Houston and his goal was to go up to be a top-10 draft pick and he was able to achieve that goal. And of course you heard it in the clip there, high praise. He feels that he has a potential to be a star player. He certainly has the intangibles to be able to do it at the next level. And he's going in a situation with a veteran head coach, which depending on how the Indiana Pacers from a upper management staff are heading in whatever direction they choose to could very well, you know, a year or two be in a conversation of being back as in a, as a playoff team in the Eastern conference. 
I think so. I think they're um, putting together a lot of young talent. And not only is he a veteran coach, he's a championship coach. We got to give him his proper respect because he knows what it takes to win a championship. One of the probably the best championship runs I've seen um, with the Dallas Mavericks defeating the Miami Heat. And so I think Jairus definitely has the potential to be a star. I think he has the potential to be a perennial all-star and maybe even a superstar. But I think Houston was good for him because Coach Sampson and staff, in which I'm, I'm sure that we've heard, challenged him to do the intangible things. And outside of working hard and instilling that work ethic or building on the work ethic that he had to come into Houston, but she's challenged him to bring energy every day, to practice hard, to defend, and do all those things that can have you have a long pro career, whether – because every person in the NBA isn't a star, isn't a score, isn't. And so if he's was he was able to develop those intangible things at Houston, if he can build on that, take that into the league with the talent and um, all the abilities that he has, I, I agree with Coach Sampson wholeheartedly. He definitely has the ability to be a star. Just about putting it together. And he's still so young, has so much more to grow as a basketball player. I think his, his best days are definitely ahead of him. Joe Mendez on the live stream says two first rounders that will only continue to elevate the recruiting for the Cougs going into into the Big 12 for four years to come. And that's the perfect segue because we're going to talk a little bit more about the Big 12 real quickly. Joe Mendez's comment, I have the mode locked. So according to head coach Kelvin Sampson, I finally chopped off the bird's nest that I had on my head. Uh, oh, Coach Sampson, the battle with my hair. He, he always has an opinion about my hair. Yeah. Uh, but real quickly coming up here on Pod Simon Jones, like I said, we will talk more about that transition to the Big 12. Coming midnight, July 1st, the Houston Athletics are going to make a toast, a live stream toast. That's going to be – that's very interesting what they're going to be doing. And, and it, it appears that they're going to be even unveiling new stuff about the new football development center to go along with that live stream. Again, it'll be Friday night as it goes into midnight. So a pretty cool event that the Houston Cougars Athletics are going to be doing to kind of mark that jump into a Power 5 conference program. But before we do, once again, I'd like to remind everybody, if you haven't done so already, this could be the first time that you're ever watching us, whether it be here on YouTube or you just found us on Spotify, Apple Podcast. And I'd like to remind you first to hit the subscribe button wherever you may be listening to, whether it be, like I said, on YouTube or any of the audio platforms. Leave us some stars, leave us some ratings, subscribe to us in that version, whichever it may be. And of course, follow us on social media, like I said, at the top of the show, whether it be on Instagram and TikTok on Let's Rage Cougs at Let's Rage Cougs. It's all lowercase Let's Rage Cougs. Or follow us on Twitter at Pod Slamajama. That's capital P, capital S, and capital J at Pod Slamajama. Like you see it on the description of the show. We can't say thank you enough for the support you guys have shown us over the course of the past nine months and heading into the Big 12. Only bigger things to come. Bringing you back in, Diana. Of course, like I said, Houston Athletics, they've been waiting for this moment for decades, really since the collapse of the Southwest Conference and really where they were. They certainly, if you ask anyone affiliated with Houston, especially at that time, feel like they were just left behind from the other two big schools in the state when it comes to Texas A&M and UT. And when they was the creation of the original Big Eight, that conference, and we've heard various coaches. We've heard head coach Dana Holgerson from the football team, and we've heard even Samson over the course of the season when he was asked about the Big 12, what that really caused U of H is you see a lot of these programs, specifically, you know, like a Texas Tech, like a Baylor, Baylor that was chosen as a part of the original over school like UH, and 
just the resources that they were able to pull together and then have being able to be all those additional years in a Power 5 conference that Houston just hasn't been able to have. And they're finally going to be able to begin to try to, to catch up because they are far behind when it comes to resources standpoint to compete with those other schools in the state, not even looking at the powerhouses in A&M and, and UT. Right. And just thinking about how big of a city Houston is in Texas, and we're already seeing um, the effects of it, not only with recruiting, and I think we're going to continue to see that. I, I think the city and players within the city are going to decide to stay within Houston because it's huge. I mean, you got a, a city like Houston has not only culture, um, their own culture, even to hip hop, to music, to style, to all of that, in which is prevalent to these young athletes. And then you, you, you cope that with Houston going into a power conference it's almost really no reason to leave the city of Houston. So I think this not only impacts the University of Houston, because Samson hinted at it, it really impacts the entire city of Houston. And I'm excited for it. I mean, I got people when I wear my um, UH paraphernalia around here in Missouri, people are like, oh, you guys are going to the Big 12. Are you excited? I'm excited. I mean, and so I think it's a, more than the 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 – the university the institution that is going to impact, I think it's going to impact the city, man. I think we're going to see more and more kids from within the Houston Metroplex area decide to come to U of H. And then when you start to have even more success in, in not only just football, basketball, but track and softball, volleyball, all these different sports continue and start having success. I think Houston will be mentioned in the upper echelons of schools in the state of Texas. Most definitely the last time that, and even going back to when Houston was in the Southwest Conference, it was a very different dynamic just in terms of the quote-unquote Power 5 label. But you saw what they were able to do, and they were on a relatively even playing field with the likes of UT and Texas A&M. Houston had a lot of success, specifically when it comes to both football and men's basketball. Of, of mm-hmm. course, when you talk about the 80s and even going back to the 60s, what Houston was able to do on the hardwood in men's basketball, but even in football, the bowl games, the cotton balls that they were able to be a part of of, you know, part of those uh, New Year's Six Bowl games and, and the success they were able to have, that's going to be something that there's been a lot of buzz and we're already seeing, again, from the economic standpoint. Uh, men's basketball is a testament to what Coach Sampson has been able to do. They've been selling out year in and year out for the last few seasons, but in football, they've been achieving milestones when it comes to season tickets for the upcoming season that they, quite frankly, haven't had in the history of the program. So you're just seeing that component of it without the program having even stepped foot on the football field yet so that's going to be some exciting times when it comes to the power five to the big 12 conference specifically as a whole the different resources that a conference like the big 12 has also comes with an extra layer of exposure which again to tie everything in which is kind of going to be how we wrap up the show talking about the the recent string of football commitments one of the things that the big 12 is doing and specifically under commissioner brett yormark is trying to get as much exposure for the conference and one of those areas is playing international games specifically when it comes to Houston's men's basketball team it comes to playing a game in Mexico against Kansas it'll be a non-conference game but obviously of course both teams are going to be a part of the Big 12 conference and they're both going to be showcasing their I mean those are two premier programs not just in the Big 12 but in the entire country are going to be showcasing to a new audience not overseas but international here just south of the border in Mexico here's what head coach Kelvin Sampson had to 
to say about both Commissioner Brett Yormark and about having to play against Kansas in 2024 in Mexico. Brett Yormark is one of those dudes, the first time you meet him, um, he kind of uh, um, is like getting in, hit in the head with a rubber mallet. Um, he's very dynamic. Um, I was I was super impressed with him. I think uh, going forward, he's he's kind of what the Big Twelve uh, uh, needs. He's um, and you're right and you're right, Andy. It is a outside the box thought. Now I'd much rather somebody else be playing Kansas uh, rather than us. But um, um, you know the the thing about the uh, Big 12 is you don't play everybody twice every year because you, when you have X amount of teams, you're going to play an unbalanced schedule. You know, if you've got 12 teams, say you got 12 teams, that means to have a balanced schedule, you'd have to play a 22 game uh, conference schedule, right? So everybody plays each other uh, twice. You know, this year, I think we have uh, 14 teams and we have a 16 game schedule. So there's going to be a lot of teams that only play once. So the, the game with Mexico, um, the game in Mexico, we were only scheduled to play Kansas once that year. Um, I think we play them home and home this year. So we're scheduled to play them once that year. And so uh, the Mexico game will be a non-conference game. Um, the only next the only negative I see is it takes a, a home game away from you, you know. So, um, you know, what, what I hope is financially Kansas and uh, Houston will be reimbursed from the potential um, loss of revenue or the gate that we would have for a home game. So let's say we let's say that home game instead of playing Kansas and Mexico City we start a home and home in Michigan or we started a home and home. It takes that opportunity away. and also takes the, the gate or revenue you'd have from a home game, but it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it fits in line with what he wants with the uh, big 12. Um, he's very much an outside box thinker. He's very dynamic. Um, and I've been super impressed with him. Oh, high praise from head coach Kevin Sampson about the new commissioner and just his honest, honest thoughts on both the positives and uh, potential drawbacks, or not even drawbacks, just concerns about the the game against Kansas in Mexico. Again, that game between Houston and Kansas will take place, not this season, but the upcoming season, 2024, and it will be technically a non-conference game, even though, of course, both teams are representing the Big 12 Conference. But, Dan, I, I don't think you haven't had the opportunity to discuss about what your thoughts are on first Houston playing Kansas in Mexico and just the big 12 strategy of trying to, to increase the exposure of the conference. Are you in favor of it or what are your thoughts on it? I'm definitely in favor of it, especially for Houston who has such a large Hispanic demographic in Houston and throughout the Texas area. I think it's a, a great idea to expand not only Houston's brand, but the big 12 brand um, globally. I mean, I know it's outside of the U.S., so I was, I'm in favor of it. I, I like Coach Simpson's idea of reimbursing both institutions with the potential of revenue that, that they were lost. Or, or even 
um, reimbursing the institution with the money that they spend to get to Mexico because of um, both institutions will have to pay to get there. And of course, all the costs with the athletes and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm in favor of it. I think it's a great idea. I think um, I like the Houston and Kansas matchup, but I, I would have preferred two Texas teams. I think mm-hmm. Houston and Tech or Houston and Waco or I think two Texas teams would have been a better matchup. Not that Houston and Kansas isn't a great matchup because it is, obviously, but I'm just thinking about the the large Hispanic population throughout the state of Texas. I think um, really honing in on that and having a Texas school travel abroad to Mexico would really benefit not only those schools but the Big 12 as well. Most definitely. That's definitely a a valid point. I think uh, this is kind of where obviously with UT and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC that season that imagine if you could get Houston and Texas to play over or play in Mexico, that would be one heck of a matchup that again, it would draw a lot of regional interest being in the state of Texas. I think looking at it from the big 12 perspective, I think it's definitely them trying to send two of the premier programs when it comes to the conference, especially from men's basketball year in and year out. Uh, and it's a, really it's a testament to what Calvin Santon has done with Houston that they are, even though they're going to be a new program in the Big 12 Conference, already kind of have that status, that respect mm-hmm. in joining the Big 12 Conference, which kind of to add on, we didn't hear it on that clip, but Calvin Sampson mentioned it again in a different question. He was asked about the Big 12 and specifically kind of changes that he can expect pertaining to his program. And what he mentioned, it, it's kind of interesting to hear him say this because I've heard Dana Hogerson mention it. It makes more sense where football, where the biggest difference when it comes to where Houston was at football and the American Athletic Conference and a Big 12 program. Uh, Hogerson mentioned this when they played Kansas and, and Texas Tech a season ago. It's really not, not even overall across the board when it comes to starters. It what differentiates a power five team from a non-power five team is the backups, the depth that those programs have and the ability that they're able to get more four, four star, five star recruits to be backups to come in and be able to just, again, have that depth that a team like Houston uh, just hasn't been able to have over the course of the last few seasons. Now switching it over to men's basketball, Kelvin Sampson kind of alluded to the same thing and and that'll be the biggest challenge and and not even specifically just because you got to have depth overall just to be uh, from rankings or specific or anything like that. He just said that every conference game in the Big 12, specifically when it comes to basketball and how many programs are just juggernauts or certainly they're going to be competitive uh night in and night out he said every game is an emotional psychological and physical battle for these teams and they just need to have that depth to be able to not really overload the starters overload the the main rotation players and have a consistent rotation a deeper rotation to kind of offset that Right. And there's so many things that um, were going through my head as you were um, reiterating what Coach Sampson said. And just starting with the mental aspect of it, when you travel in the Big 12, it's going to be a huge difference going to crowds versus going to playing against a two lane or playing to get uh, a temple or things like that. And so a psychological aspect, I think that's something to take um, to horn in. And not only that, you have to have quality depth. Not to say that Houston hasn't had quality depth in the past, but I think that Coach Sampson realized you have to have quality depth that in any given situation can be a starter or play valuable minutes and actually impact the game. And so I think that Coach Sampson is really, really – 
honing in on that and really realizing that because, I mean, you look at last year, the depth that they had was, was freshmen coming off the bench. And mm-hmm. not to say they aren't quality players because they prove that they are quality players. Or I don't think they would have been at Houston anyway. But just going into a, a, a bigger conference, you, you don't always want to rely on youth, especially when every game is like a tournament matchup because of the quality of the teams. And so I think Coach Sampson, of course, he, he loves players with experience. And like he said, the only way to get that experience is to play. And so um, I'm just excited. I mean, I think as long as he is at the helm, him and his entire staff – was it with Houston? I'm confident that the the team can produce and continue to be in the upper echelon of teams what they were in the American in the Big 12. I, I think um, not only will Coach Sampson be one of the better coaches, and he'll add to the hall of list of Hall of Fame coaches in the Big 12, but I, I think he's going to have his team prepared psychologically because he's been there. He knows what it takes, and I think they're going to really, really lead on his experience and, and some of the assistant coaches like Coach Kug and some of the other coaches um, that played in that conference that actually knows what it takes. And so I think Coach Sampson, of course, he, I mean, I agree with everything he said, and the Big 12 is going to be uh, – a challenge in itself, but you have to have quality depth. But we didn't even mention injuries and in what Houston yeah. years ago um, went through that. And you had two to seasons. have or two seasons ago, it had to have that depth. And so, I mean, it, you, you definitely need depth. Yeah. I'm mean, just look at the makeup of this team. They added two key veterans in Algeric Cryer and Damian Dunn, but they are going to have a lot of returning players that do have experience. The guys like Ramon Walker, Terrence Arsenal in his second year, top to bottom. And of course the, the big piece in Javier Francis, who Samson has been high on over the course of last season, kind of see him take that next step in development and kind of step into potentially a starter role for Houston will be definitely something to watch in Houston's first year is as a Big 12 school now, the last thing, and, and kind of your point, Dayon, and specifically what you mentioned, of course, with having to play uh, different crowds where night in and night out, it's just going to be uh, a madhouse just because of how the Big 12 are. I think the crowds could definitely be, are going to be electric, no doubt about that. But I think something that Houston has had, not to the favor of something that they're going to have in their favor is just last season having that number one ranking mm-hmm. a lot of times, even though they were playing speak from experience, especially that, I mean, when you think of East Carolina, you think of Tulsa, uh, Tulsa much less, but East Carolina, you don't necessarily think of them as being a basketball uh, powerhouse. But when Houston came to town, that was, it was literally like, if look at it from a pro's perspective, it's like if the New York Yankees were in town, you know, kind of trying to, Compared in that aspect, there you. were hotels near uh, in Greenville when East Carolina they were literally packed. They were sold. Like they didn't have any rooms to spread because people had come in, alumni had come in to see the game, and even something else, just the the Samson family dynamic too, because a lot of them were there to see Houston too. Um, family ties with the Samson family as well for that game, so they kind of have that in their favor to answer the comment from Mr. Smith in the live stream is Malik Wilson withdrawing from the transfer portal I do not believe so I even then I Houston technically does have one scholarship spot open but I do not believe that he I haven't heard anything about him withdrawing from the transfer portal um that would be that would be interesting if he did do that or if Houston were to still um have a scholarship for him I think he's I don't I think he's announced he's gone to another school, but that's that's something definitely to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, I haven't heard um, anything like that about that as well. But just one of the points um, that you made it and it's a really, really great point is, like you said, when Houston went to East Carolina, they had that number one ranking. I think they're still going to have that target on their back, not only because of their Houston, because I'm expecting them to be ranked as well. And each team is want to go to prove that they're better than Houston. So that's a really mm-hmm. good point. And I think um, that aspect was to their benefit. And cause like Cole Sampson said, the players that they bought in have played in big games against big crowds and have a lot of experience. And to my point a second ago, Terrence, Emmanuel, who were young players last year at JVA, got experience playing against those big crowds and big games. And so I think they're going to be a little bit more seasoned, more calm, and, and more sure in themselves and confident in themselves when they're in those moments to be able to impact the game and, and produce um, to what to their liking. I will say this, though. I don't think there's anything that can compare to Adam Fieldhouse when Houston does have to play in Kansas for that game. Yeah, no, I, I would agree, and. I would agree. I don't think there's nothing to compare. I think from what I hear, I'm like a couple miles outside the state of Kansas and people tell me that it's so small and compact that it's in favor to Kansas because it almost feels like the crowd is on top of the court. And so mm-hmm. uh, I definitely want to experience a the game there as well. But I mean, you're definitely right. I don't think it's nothing that can prepare you for an atmosphere like that. A couple of other notes from Samson's availability on Tuesday morning. First, uh, the one that, that kind of stood out to me was about Cordell Jefferson, and he had surgery on his wrist. Um, I found it interesting that they did, he didn't even know about it until he came to campus and they did an x-ray on him. Um, and Samson kind of cracked a, a interesting – he said an interesting joke where Jefferson's father told him, all oh, that explains his free throw shooting um, in high school a season ago, but that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, shouldn't be anything that hinders him once the season starts, but that's certainly something – um, that caught my eye, and even the exhibition game, uh, the Houston will host UNC Pembroke, which is Kelvin Sampson's alma mater. Uh, come, I'd imagine that'd be the first week of November around that time when Houston hosts UNC Pembroke, and they already have a team that they will scrimmage likely the week before that, or probably in the same week, around Halloween week, um, leading up to the start of the season. He didn't mention what team that would be or what program that would be, but that's something to keep an eye on as well. And renovations to the second floor of the Guy V. Lewis development facility are underway. They have begun. He said he could hear the work being done from his office. And, of course, the second floor of the Guy V. Lewis development facility is mostly focused on the living area for the players or kind of the time, the space that they spend most of their time when they're not on the practice court. So a lot of that is for the players themselves. And again, now that they're going to be in the big 12 an ever changing, evolving dynamic for the program to be competitive with those, our other power five programs. Dan, is there anything else you'd like to add to kind of put a ball to the coach Sampson's availability in the men's basketball team? No, not not really. I think we pretty much covered it all. I think um, one thing that kind of stood out to me is he talked about his development because, you know, we always talk about development within his coaching staff and his players. And when someone is so seasoned as Coach Sampson, I I was interested to kind of get his take on how he kind of evaluates himself and looks to develop. And he kind of just said he likes to go in on on Sundays and and watch film, look at different ways, tweak different adjustments, whether it be defensive, offensively. And so, I mean, Coach Sampson um, not only is coaching his players hard, his coach, his assistant coach is hard. He's also looking to develop himself and get better year in and year out. 
Most definitely. That was a great question that you posed. And you're kind of funny about it at the beginning <laughs> when it said about spending more family time. But uh, you gave way, me a great answer. funny. Yeah, he gave you a great answer. So real quickly, before we get into the football commits, I'd like to we have to plug our Let's Rage Cougs merch, which is available officially on our Let's Rage Cougs official merchandise website, which is bonfire.com slash store slash let's dash rage dash cougs dash shop. Once again, that's bonfire.com slash store slash let's dash rage dash cougs dash shop and we recently unveiled two new lines with the move to the big 12 coming this saturday we have a disrupting the 12 line available in a t-shirt a long sleeve and of course in a tank top coming in various colors we have the disrupting the 12 line and of course we have the h-town let's rage merch line similar it's available in a t-shirt a tank top and a long sleeve it's never too early to prepare for the winter even though this triple digit heat might make you not want to uh, potentially might even make you want to throw out all your hoodies because it seems like the heat will never end but eventually it'll get cold again of course we still have our original lines the let's rage merch line available in a t-shirt and a hoodie and the, there will be rage line once again that's bonfire.com slash store slash let's dash rage dash kooks dash shop and of course it would really it supports us any way you can just being able to get some cool let's rage kooks merch but on that note getting back to it thought of as as we celebrate 1000 subscribers we just might do a a shirt giveaway or something to one of our fans that's just something i thought about right now something me and andy probably would have to discuss see how we want to do it but i think that's it's something that we should do most definitely that's a great idea might as well say it on there we could we should do uh, we'll figure it out whether it be something on youtube yeah, something that we could do. And Mr. Smith, thank you to for saying congrats on 1,000K subscribers. A big milestone. But like I said, segue into our final segment here on Pod Slime Jamma. And that comes with the football team that has had a very busy weekend. And they have gotten a lot of commitments. And even today, Tuesday, we're going live stream or whenever you may be losing. It was on Tuesday that UH got a commitment from a former USC and Oklahoma defensive back, Latrell McCutcheon, a former four-star recruit coming out of high school who, obviously, like I said, he began his collegiate career in Oklahoma, followed Lincoln Riley to South to South California, and now is going to be a UH Cougar. Now, he might potentially have to sit out the 2023 season because it is his second transfer so unless he gets a waiver from the NCAA, potentially could have to set out for the 2023 season. This, this was something I didn't know, but he has a brother in Latravion McCutcheon, who's going to be a freshman linebacker here at Houston. Uh, that, that potentially could be, I'm, I'm certainly at figure that that was a, a factor in him choosing the Houston Cougars, but he recorded 22 tackles and a sack for the Trojans last season. And, of course, that's just one name from uh, a lengthy list. They got two commitments, including inside offensive lineman Raekwon Bell out of Westview High School. Of course, this is for 2024's recruiting class. They have inside offensive lineman Ronald McClain out of DeSoto High School. And they also landed a commitment from tight end Caleb Thomas out of North Shore High School, which, of course, we know from the Houston area, North Shore is a uh, football hotbed here in the city of Houston. But I think the biggest name, over the weekend was Maurice Williams Jr. out of Shadow Creek High School in Pearland, who had been committed to LSU for 
a year and decided to recommit and chose Houston. That started off a lot of buzz online when that was announced. And currently for the 2024 recruiting class, uh, depending on the various outlets, if you look at 24-7 sports, UH is currently 74th in the country when it comes to their recruiting class. On on3.com, they are 65th. Of course, still very early when it comes to 2024 commits. But heading into, again, this is kind of the Big 12 weekend for Houston. That's going to be the big move on Saturday, the big jump. They're really getting a lot of buzz. They're getting building a lot of momentum. It's pretty cool to see uh, numerous commits and the week that Houston makes that jump to the Big 12. Very exciting. And they're getting them from big-time programs. You just mentioned North Shore, DeSoto, and Dallas is a hotbed for recruits and um, Shadow Creek as well. And so not only are they – winning inside the city, but they're also getting players inside the state. And I think that's um, something we can look for, a trend to to continue. I think they will do that. But that Williams flip from LSU was very, very, very surprising. And I was very happy to see that. And I actually watched the interview that he had. I believe it was with Dave Campbell. I can't remember um, the source uh, who interviewed after and talked about his decision. And he really talked about wanting to build with Houston, wanting to be a part of a transition and, and kind of make his name at a program that's trying to rise to greatness. And so I, I think that's a great seller point for the school and not only um, for the football program. I think be a part of, of turning something around and changing something to, and getting it to its peak. And I think with the recruits, they're, they're really killing it in the recruits, whether it's in the portal or um, the kids out of high school. So, I mean, you got to give kudos to um, Coach Hogerson and staff for really um, stepping up their recruiting, and I think the Big 12 has helped them tremendously. Most definitely. I want to read out a tweet that Matt Golden had over the weekend. He said he loves seeing, or I guess I might as well read the tweet, and I quote, love seeing my Houston boys stay home and rep the city we just getting started. Hashtag go Cougs. Once again, that was Matthew Golden, who could very well be the next star receiver for Houston in line this upcoming season. But again, you get to see that excitement. That's a great point when it comes to potentially seeing that already the Big 12 impacting the football program because for years, we always knew the Houston and just the state of Texas in general has been a hotbed for football talent. But you always see, especially when it comes to Houston, you see a lot of guys committing and eventually signing with programs like Texas A&M, of course, UT, and the powerhouses when you think of across the nation, when you think of Alabama, when you think of Georgia, when you think of any other powerhouse, they get a lot of their recruits from Texas. And now Houston can start to make waves, specifically when it comes to the city, make waves and lock down top talent as well and start to make some noise in that aspect, which is key for the future success of the program. It is for sure. And I, I think like this comment right here that a gentleman that said, we're going to see a lot of players line up to stay home for the Cougs. And I think that's going to really be to the detriment of other teams um, in the conference. You look at the likes of Oklahoma State. Can so many schools really throughout all conferences come to Texas, like you just mentioned, to get players? And I think Houston is going to be one of the beneficiaries of players staying in the state of Texas and staying in if they're from throughout the Houston area in Houston. Now, I think once they achieve a level of success and start winning, you will start to see even more four stars and five stars become the norm because, I mean, many of us were surprised when we had Ed Oliver come. He had a brother that played on the team, but you just, you know, it's a possibility. And then 
they've had already had success in regards to developing players and getting them to the next level. Now you add winning on top of that, um, being in a Power Five conference. I think Houston is going to be one of the problematic teams in the Big 12 to all schools, not only in competing, but I think in recruiting as well. Yeah, Joe Mendez's comment on the live stream, the Big 12 will realize their greatest fear by having UH in the conference. The players will line up to stay home and play for the Cougs. Maybe not all, but definitely get their fair share. And that's a great point, Dayan, about, you know, once the program starts to see success, it's just going to continue to be buzzed. The buzz is going to continue to increase. It's kind of like a train. It's slow to start, but once it gets going, it's hard to stop it. And hopefully that's something for the football aspect. Again, going back to when they were in the Southwest Conference and they were um, among the, the elite, or at least when it comes to conference, it was more than considered, if you look at it from a modern standpoint, uh, Farrell would have been considered a Power 5 conference at that point. Houston had its fair share of success on the gridiron on the football field, especially going back to the 70s and 80s, and now Houston can finally hopefully get back to some of that level of consistent success. They've had stretches, of course, going back to 2015, 2016, um, and even in 2021 when they went to 11 and one, but they haven't been able to consistently be at that high level. And that's something that they have the opportunity, hopefully, to do so with, again, just just being attached to the Big 12. And if they're able to produce on the field, that's just going to continue to add more buzz. I do want to pose this question, which uh, was brought up on the live stream. And I, I don't know how to say this username, so I don't want to just butcher it so i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm gonna one cor one three mbg on youtube says who will be in the starting backfield for houston cougars football and i think you gotta go with brandon campbell stacy steen those are gonna be the two lead backs for the football program and obviously of course with the departure of alton mccaskill it's got to be those two and uh, Alt, uh parker jenkins who we had on the show in april it'll be interesting to see we had him he said he wanted to come in here and compete keep his head down and and just potentially compete for a spot well that opportunity got a lot bigger when mccaskill decided to transfer also the transfer from west virginia as well he has expertise got a lot of carries has right. success within the conference as well so i think that's a name to keep, keep an eye on as well and we saw how coach hogerson and staff likes to use their running backs you will get your touches uh it isn't going to be a well i think it depends on the any given game in which i like that if it's a hot hand then they'll feed them but primarily they like to divide and the carries um, amongst their stable of running backs to kind of keep them healthy throughout the season. So I agree with you. I, I would like – I think Brandon Campbell will probably be starting. I, I agree with you as well as um, she had a problem. Um, Heath. Heath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe right there behind him. And um, the, what's the transfer from West Virginia? Jones is last Tony name? Tony Mathis. Tony yeah. Mathis Jr. Who, oh, uh, interestingly enough, he's still – I guess he's technically following uh, Holgerson because he was recruited by head coach Dana Holgerson to West Virginia. He just decided to stick um, with with them, and, and he's going to be a 50-year option. So, obviously, he's going to be uh, a very experienced uh, running back, and he's – been able to produce he's increased his numbers each and every season that he was at west virginia uh putting together his best performance last season for them he had five touchdowns and rushed for over 562 yards on the season so again the biggest thing going back to what we mentioned earlier in the segment about depth there certainly seems to have a lot of depth in that running back room even though they obviously of course you're you're not going to be able to replace a guy like mccaskill with just one player but being able to fill them out with a lot of different depths and at some point someone has to be able to to make plays and step in and then don't take that spot by the reins, and, and who's going to be that lead back? Right, and I, I think it's 
all kind of predicated on the quarterback. I think that's the the missing piece and who is going to be the starting quarterback. And we talked about upcoming success. I think a lot of that will not only lean on the quarterback, but in regards to recruiting, I think if Lucas Coley come out and has success, he's a young quarterback and probably will be at Houston for a few years. So not only that will be another recruiting tool for Houston to use to come in and play with him, or in regards to if it's, if it's Donovan Smith or someone else who we don't know on the roster. But I, I think the running game will be prevalent, and I think they will be part of the success of the quarterbacks because of they will have to hand the ball off and be um, impact the game and be able to get yards on the ground and not put so much pressure on the quarterback to throw the football all over the field. And so the running game, I think, will be a central. I think Houston may run the ball this year more than they probably did in years past, and that and that's including runs with the quarterback, design runs. Mm-hmm. I know Clayton did it a bit last year, a lot at times, but in De'Ara King and Greg Ward in years past. But I think this year Houston will probably be a – 60-40 run team, probably run it 60% of the time, throw it probably 40. Yeah, that's a, that's a very underrated aspect about it. If you kind of reading in between the leaves that head coach Dana Horson has said throughout the course of the spring and heading into the summer, when asked about the quarterback competition, he said that uh, it's a competition and obviously they're going to be a starter, but he's said multiple times that he expects both quarterbacks to play through the course of the season, regardless of who ends up being winning the battle and being the quarterback one. And that's a great point when you mention of potentially adding uh, that dual threat element from the quarterback standpoint. Now, uh, comedy says, oops, he meant the starting defensive backfield, uh, not the, the running backs. But to kind of answer his question, I think uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot wide open, especially when you look at that uh, defensive back group. It was an area last season that struggled uh, for various reasons. The one could be injury and some a lot of those injuries caused a lot of inexperienced players to have to step into the spotlight. And there were times where you could tell and they were <laughs> they were very, very young defensive backs. Um, Justin and oh, no, I'm just gonna say I think you can pencil in Hassan Hippolyte at their starting safety, a returning captain, returning starter. I think you could pencil him in at one safety spot. Maybe Jalen Emery, I think, will probably get a chance at another corner mm-hmm. spot. But other than that, I think the the positions are pretty much wide open, like you said. Uh, hip, when it comes to Hassan and Hippolyte, actually interesting. He, they're gonna, they did this with Grant Stewart, and they, I believe, they did it with Deontay Anderson, but they're gonna move him to linebacker, which is gonna be interesting to see that. So again, it, it's 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 open um, from from that standpoint. I think another name that you got to add there is Alex Hogan, who again. Yep. Got a lot of playing time a season ago. Uh, I definitely agree when it comes to Jalen Emery and someone that they're high on. And he didn't necessarily get a lot of run or a lot of attention last season is defensive back Noah Guzman, who was actually named a uh, captain for the upcoming season, got a single-digit number, which, of course, we know under head coach Dana Holgerson, for them, it's a, it's a privilege to get a single-digit number within the program. He's going to be a senior, so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of step up into that role and make a lot more plays uh, when it comes to the defensive backfield for Houston. Um, to continue this comment, he said, and other than offensive tackle Patrick Paul, who are other NFL prospects in the 2024 NFL draft? Um, and that that's going to be that's a really interesting question. I'm not entirely too sure. I think you could add Nelson Caesar to that list, potentially Malik Robinson. I think it'll be much more from defense. I'm trying to think offensively who else. Zach Freeman. 
Uh, Jack Freeman. Yeah, you could add Jack Freeman to the the mix. Let me see. I see if he's a junior or a. Uh, oh, he's a senior. So he's going to be a senior. He's definitely. Um, I think you could add him to that category as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with the names you said. Uh, I think uh, Sam Brown can open some eyes this year. Receiver. I think he's going to be a redshirt junior. I think he can as a receiver that can play at the next level. But as far as up front, I mean, we pretty much hit the names. I think uh, Paul, I think Jack Freeman, Nelson Caesar on the defensive end. I think the linebacker you mentioned. And other than that, I mean, uh, I think it's, it's players going to have the opportunity to make a name for themselves and kind of earn their way into that next level. Most definitely, and and kind of a name to keep an eye on. Also, I think Cedric Williams, who um, has had a little bit of uh, up and down time in Houston, especially when it comes to injuries. But he's something to keep an eye on. See if he's able to put together a strong senior season. And the name you mentioned as well, even though he's changing uh, positions in Hippolyte, he could potentially make plays at the next level. Because as a safety, I think he might have been. You can make the argument that he was the most consistent player in the in the backfield last year for Houston in that defense. Yeah, for sure. I think um, him is showing his versatility to be able to play in the box, but only add because nowadays in the NFL, they like to play a lot of nickel and they move players who play safety at the linebacker to kind of be able to cover a lot of those fast tight ends and running backs. So I think him as well. Uh, he just asked what about Dot? I think Dot has to, in my opinion, just just really just my opinion, that he has to prove that he can be more than just a run stopper. I think he he plays the run really well. He takes on double teams. He does a lot of the dirty work. But, I mean, when you wear that 10, and it's just, again, my opinion, I think Houston should have made that a prestige number uh, on the defensive end, especially following Ed Oliver. I I think they had opportunity to do that. But I think Dot just has to show that he's more than just a run stopper. But if he's that, I think there's value in that. But I think we probably can lease him a little more. He has the potential to earn his way as well, I think. He'll be a junior next year, so I, I tend to agree with you. I think um, maybe not potentially making uh, more plays like in terms of, of getting more sacks on the quarterback, depending, especially if he's playing interior, much more difficult for an interior defensive lineman to make plays, but just really do more of what he did last season. Now it's just being a disruptor. There were sometimes there was a couple of hard hits that he just disrupted plays. And if we're able to see that more consistently, I definitely think by the end of the season, you that you will definitely have enough film and definitely will have a valid argument to at the very least be able to to see what scouts are saying and potentially uh, explore being a professional after this upcoming season. But I think for him, it's just much more about consistently being able to be a disruptor in the backfield, not necessarily just sacking quarterbacks, but just blowing up running plays, which is going to be crucial in the Big 12. And we saw, uh, especially when Houston played Kansas, how much of a struggle that was for them in that game. So it's going to be an opportunity if he can be a consistent disruptor, unlike we saw against American Athletic Conference opponents in the Big 12. I think that would go along way for him so that's yep. certainly an eye a person to keep an eye on as well i, I agree 100 percent. Uh, i think like you said just be more consistent he already plays with the edge and with relentless energy you see him running trying to run down uh, running backs outside once they get on the outside and so like you said just more consistent be more dominant and more plays in the backfield more uh, tfls and so i think that he, he has a, he has a good chance for sure 
And uh, that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode. Jules Mendes says they got to consistently sell out uh, 40K, the 40K one first. I'm pretty sure he's talking about attendance at TDCU Stadium. Yeah. Uh, for for what it's worth, I think Houston's going to have a lot of success when it comes to attendance this year. I think last time I checked, um, I don't know, there are 27,000. They might, I know that. I think there are 25,000 when it comes to season tickets, period, which um, regardless of what the number is, they're at the most, they've sold the most season tickets they've ever had in the history of, of GDCU Stadium heading into the season. Um, and that's that's just the allotment that they have. That's not even factoring the student section that they um, consistently, obviously, uh, feel off for the students in the band. I think uh, it would be interesting. I think the minimum for this season, I, I'm not I'm curious to see what, when you look at Sam Houston and, and UTSA, but definitely for that TCU game, the first conference game in the Big 12, I don't think there's, there's any question that that's going to be a sellout. Yeah, there, there's no question I think that's going to be a sellout. I think we will see more sellouts this year because it's like we've talked about in numerous podcasts, most Houston fans come to see other teams. And so not only that, I think they're just really excited with Houston being in the Big 12. We're going to have a lot of alumni, um, alumnus who, who – well, part of those big eight days are going to come back and want to see those matchups. So I think you're going to have a large crowd, sellouts, 30, 40 plus thousand um, this year, regardless of the team is doing um, really, really well or not. I think the Houston fans are just so excited about being in the Big 12. They want to have a showing for themselves to be able to kind of have um, banter between other fan bases as well as to actually show that they support their school. Most definitely, if you if you look at the Texas Tech and UH fans, they've already started in some aspects on social media. I think it'll be interesting again. UTSA and Sam Houston. I, I think the minimum that they'll have will be thirty five thousand. Honestly, uh, maybe that Sam Houston game could be a, a little bit less, but I think that'll be the 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 floor. Honestly, when it comes to attendance this season, which it'll be a good thing. And I think in terms of being able to stay at that level will be determined on the field and the consistent success that the program is able to have. Um, so get them in the building. Once they get them in the building, it's on the program to keep them in the building. So exciting times, of course, like you mentioned, UH will commemorate the move to the Big 12 on YouTube, <laughs> YouTube live stream um, on Friday night. I'm not entirely sure when it'll begin, but definitely for sure they'll have a toast at midnight. And like I said, they, it seems like they're going to be planning to unveil new information on the football development facility and potential even and stuff that they're planning for TDCU Stadium and in terms of that aspect. So that's going to be exciting times for them. That's going to do it for today's episode of Pod Slime and Jamma. We thank everybody that took time to comment, ask questions, and just uh, congratulate. Um, uh, like I said, thank everyone uh, for commenting. We appreciate it, of course, for, for just uh, – sending congratulations for hitting that 1000 subscribe milestone on youtube uh like um i said at the top of the show my name is andy honest you can follow me on twitter at aonest underscore five most importantly you can follow the show at pod slam jamma you can follow us on twitter get or talk to us on twitter and we will respond otherwise known as the guy that just lost the bird's nest on his head and dan i'll toss it over to you where can people find you and as always you get the last word you can follow me on all social media platforms at Dayon Dunlop, like it's listed below. And um, we appreciate all the supporters who helped us reach our goal of getting to 1,000 YouTube subscribers. Like we said earlier, a second ago on the show, please look out for the merch, support us with the merch, and 
as always, can't end an episode without saying go Cougs.